0: Well, thank you again so much for being here. Good morning. Uh, The lights are going to come on in just a minute. If you have your notes, uh, you can prepare for that. Thank you for joining us online as well. Today we're in part two of a series called Parent Guilt, Dealing with the Weight of Parenting. And uh, and so we're excited to jump into the talk today, certainly. And the goal of this series, we'll start off, we'll put it up. The goal of this series is simply this, just to be a better parent, not a perfect parent. And uh, we said this last week, and you know, it felt really good and uh, just that we don't have this whole thing figured out. You know, nobody has parenting fully figured out. It's all theoretical and so the reality is many of us are doing the better than we think we're doing. We're doing really good. And I want to encourage you. I told my wife this. I said, you know, I really feel like some of you need to hear this today. And so this is not a part of my notes. You just need to hear this. Maybe even if you would allow yourself to hear this, even from from God, maybe even from His Spirit. Just, Just can you just, some of you need to hear this and just take this and go, you came here today literally just to hear this one thing. Can I just tell you if you're a mom, a dad, a grandparent, but if you're a mom, dad, listen in you're doing better than you think. And I hope that encourages you. You are doing better than you think. So many times we are so hard on ourselves and we just don't have figure it figured out. It's our fault, our fault, the way, the reason why the kids ended up this way. No, it's not fully your fault. Don't ever take the full blame for all of that. That's not true. And the truth is, if you're a parent watching, you're with us, you are doing better than you think. And I hope that encourages you today. But that's the goal. The goal of the series is that we just aim at being better parents and simply this. The reason for the series is that everyone wins when the parent gets better. Now there's two lines up here and the second one is where I stole it from. It's says leadership principle. I heard it years ago that everyone wins when the leader gets better and that's true organizationally. And the reason why we know that's true is that when the leaders get better, the top of the chain gets better, the top of the organization gets better, staff gets better, culture gets better, everything gets better. And so we just took the same statement. I just put the word parent there in place because it fit and makes sense that when the parent gets better, everybody gets better. Everybody wins when the parent gets better. And here's what I mean by that. And this is why it's so important in this series that we lean in, we pay attention, we kind of grab a hold of what God's speaking. Because when I say everyone wins when the parent gets better... Here's what I believe, and this is what's true, and it makes sense. I think you're going to understand this, is that uh, when everyone wins, the parent gets better. You think about the home gets better. And when the home gets better, your neighborhood or your environment gets better. When the neighborhood gets better, the community gets better, the city gets better, the state gets better, the nation gets better, the world gets better. I mean, I believe it all starts in the home. And so everyone wins when the parents get better. But here's what I also know is true for some of you. Some of you are thinking, I'm not a parent. Right? Don't want to be a parent maybe. I've seen parents are like, I don't want to be a parent. I've seen what they have to deal with. I don't want to be free, right? But here's here's the tension. Here's what I want to invite you in. Even if you're not a parent, here's what's true. There's a good chance you will influence another child's life. So can I just encourage you today, no matter where you are in the spectrum of parenting, whether you're a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, a brother, if you're a human being, this matters. Why? Because there's a good chance, there's a great chance at some point you're going to influence another child's life. I live in a neighborhood where, you know, kids play outside sometimes, and there's a particular neighbor of mine. He's always outside with my kids and other kids, and they're playing football together. And you know what's true? He's influencing many children's lives, even though he's not necessarily the parent of all those children. Does that make sense? And for many of you, you influence maybe a coworker, and they have kids, and the way that you talk to them can influence their children. Or maybe you hang out with friends who bring their kids over, and you have influence in their lives. I know, in fact, one of the greatest mentors, person who just uh, did a lot for me, wasn't a parent to me. It was a person who came alongside me later on in life that God brought into a relationship with me and he became a mentor of mine for many years and big reason why I stand here today is because of that individual and I was not his child. So let me just tell you this, whether you sit in, this, in a situation where you're in a classroom, if you're a teacher or whatever environment you might be in, there's a good, good chance at some point you're going to influence a child's life. So don't check out because you're not a parent. I invite you to check in. Listen in because there's a good chance at some point you're going to influence a child's Life. All right, so today, here's, last week we talked about love, and today here's what we're going to talk about. We want to talk about the what versus the who, and this is the title of the message. You see it in your notes, the what versus the who. When I talk about the word what, here's what I mean by what. What I mean by what is what your child is doing, what your child is doing. I think oftentimes as a parent, I'm a parent of four. Me um, and my wife have four kids, two boys, two girls. We planned it that way. It was awesome. And, uh, and so, yeah, we, we put our request in. Uh, but no, so, uh, but I, I, man, in parenting circles, uh, this is the conversations typically center around what? And what I mean by that is school, what they're doing, how their grades are going. A lot of our conversations have to deal with What? And, and and so we talk about you know the grades, talk about education, we talk about college, what do you want to do when you grow up, you know? We talk about the what all the time. We talk about sports, we talk about you know what sports they're involved in or what activities they're involved in. In fact, the majority of, of our calendar in my home, just education and sports a lot. And so there's a lot of what there, what they're doing, what they're a part of, what teams they're a part of. It's always about the what. Uh, also, I often see this too. You see bumper stickers or car magnets or something like that or yard signs that talk about, you know, what their child is accomplishing, right, or what job their child has, maybe off in college and where, where they're going to college and what they're doing that it all centers around what they're doing. And the bumper stickers, you ever seen the honor roll ones, you know, my kid's an honor student, my kid's smart, your kid's not, you know, that kind of stuff. And And so, Uh, It's always about what they're doing, but there's a lot of conversation about what the children are doing, and it's always about the what, and, and I find myself talking about that all the time, a lot about the what. There's nothing wrong, let me just say this, there's nothing wrong with talking about the what. There's absolutely nothing wrong with talking about the what, but I believe there is something, there is something that matters more than the what There is something matters more than what. And we could focus in with our children or talking with kids about, you know, what they do, what they want to be when they grow up. And all that's good, all that's relevant. But I think there's something more important. And you know what it is and you already know because it's who. Who your child is becoming matters way, way more than what they're doing. Now, I say that statement and you go, yeah, I I say that's true, and let's paint the picture just so we understand this, and we'll say uh, a little Bobby. I'm choosing Bobby today, not Johnny, because we got a little Johnny, so I'm gonna call him Bobby. So little Bobby, so and if there's a little Bobby, sorry, but here, let's say little Bobby, you know, he makes straight A's in, in school. It does really well, you know, and you're like, ah, little Bobby's making A's, you know. he's He does really sports. He's super athletic. He's got it all together. These are the kind of conversations parents love to have, and post Facebook stuff about. And, you know, man, look what he's doing. Look what he's doing. Look what he's doing. And then, and then little Bobby goes off to Yale, you know. It's like, man, look, he's in Yale. And he's got, oh, his full ride scholarship it's awesome. Look what he's doing. Look what he's doing. And so we have these kind of conversations. We see these being, you know, publicized in social media platforms and things like that. And I'm not pushing against that. It's all awesome to see what child's doing. But you and I both know the who matters way more. Because, because if little Bobby goes to... Gets all the A's and then he goes off to yell, but he commits adultery four times. He gets divorced six times. He never talks to his kids. You're not going, Oh, I'm so proud of Bob. He went to yell. I mean, it's just you know, you're sitting back as a parent going, what's wrong with little Bobby? At the end of the day, you know as a parent you care way more about who your child is becoming than what they're doing. And yet the conversations, oftentimes it's so easy to focus in on what they're doing and not who they're becoming. But we know that who they're becoming matters way, way more. And we know this truth, that the who is greater than the what. And we know that to be true, that the who is greater than the what. And here's what I know about this statement, and most of you understand about this statement at the same time, is that the who you want your child to be will ultimately do what you want your child to do. The who you want your child to be will ultimately lead to the doing that you want child to do. And I think we understand that principle that if you teach the child to be a certain way and who they are, they're a hard worker, they'll end up doing the thing that you want your child to do. Be a hard worker, be a contributor to society or whatever that may look like for you and your family. But the who you want your child to be will eventually do what you hope or wish your child to do and so that's why we want to focus in on so much about the who and not so much the what and so here's what I want to just kind of answer this question today and I hope that this helps us become just a little bit better as parents or influencers in a child's life if you want but why does the who matter more than the what why 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 and I'm just telling you the stakes are unbelievably high And it's not just so much about where they graduate, where they go to college, or the kind of person that becomes, but I'm telling you, the who matters so much and way more than you might think. Now, the good news of this is Jesus actually unpacks For us why this who matters so much. And what's at stake when we develop a child? What's at stake when we develop and pour into this who that this child is becoming? So Jesus is going to teach. And I'm going to extract some of this parable. And in this parable, I think we get a principle of why this matters so much. Why the who matters more than the what. And Jesus is in a conversation. And this is where we're going to pick it up. We're going to be in the book of Matthew, verse chapter 25. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. We'll put it up as well. But Matthew 20. 25, Jesus is in the talk of this parable. Now before we unpack this parable, this is so important. You got to lean in and understand the context to which Jesus is talking. Jesus is in a conversation with a group of people, some teachers, religious leaders, different people. He's teaching, he's preaching, he's doing some good conversation and he's in this teaching and he's specifically talking about end times. He's talking about this kind of time period where where the Messiah, where he's going to ultimately, we find out later on that he would return and he's going to come back. And so we still wait for that second coming, Jesus to fully return back and to take his church back up into eternity into heaven with him. And it's in that conversation, chapter 4 of Matthew and 25 of Matthew, that Jesus records and says this parable. And so Matthew is there. Matthew records all this down for us. He helps us understand what Jesus teaches. And in this parable, in the topic of discussion, discussing about what it's going to be like when he returns, Jesus makes this statement. And Jesus tells this story, I should say. its probably better than a statement. He tells this story, which we end up grabbing this statement. It's a really popular statement. So here's the story in the context of what it will be like when Jesus returns back to take his church, the bride of Christ, home with him. And here's where the story picks up, all right? It says, after a long time, the master of the servants returned and settled accounts with them. Now pause. Right before this, Jesus begins the story and he says, there's three servants. And, and, and in these, in this story, he unpacks that two of these servants, one servant received these five talents. Now, don't confuse this with the book of Luke. There's another story in the book of Luke that talks about this, but they're a little different. But in this picture, he uses the word talents, and some have translated that into money. So one servant gets five talents. One servant gets three or two talents. One servant gets one talent. Everybody gets a little bit different amount of money in their pocket. Modern day, it would be around $16,600. So, you get 16,000 bucks, maybe you get 10,000 bucks, maybe you get 5,000 bucks. That's the conversation that Jesus is in. And then he says, The master goes away. And Jesus is really referring to himself. The master goes away and he's going to come back and see how you did with the resources that he gave you. That's the conversation that we're in. So, he says, He comes back to settle the accounts. And the man who had received five bags of gold, that's, that's a lot of money, brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me. That's the key word. You entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And that word entrustment is this idea that we get this entrustment of weight, this bag of gold. And as I just thought about that, you think about uh, the weight of the gold. If there's an entrustment. And as parents, no doubt about it, you're entrusted with weight. When you have a child in your hands or somebody you're responsible to take care of more, or somebody you're influencing, or you're in a classroom setting regardless of what kind of environment you're in you're you're given an opportunity to be entrusted with people's lives there's an entrustment there and so this, this particular guy gets five bags of gold and he's, he raises five more. He increases it. And this is how the response, it continues on in Matthew. It says, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. And if you've been around church circles a long time, uh, man, that's a really popular statement we all long to hear because Jesus is talking about when he comes back, this is the statement that maybe he's going to say that well done, good and faithful. You have been faithful with a few things and I'll put you in charge of many things Oh, that's great. Fantastic. The reward is more responsibility. All right. Then he says, Come and share your master's happiness. All right. So he invites us in. Then it continues on to the next servant. He says, The man who had two bags, master, he said, entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. And here's why I pull this parable out to teach on this idea today. We're talking about the who versus the what. Jesus looks at these two men who have done really well and stewarded their money well. And they've raised more money. And yet Jesus does not at all speak of and brag about and reward them for the what until he's first rewarded the who. I want you to notice the order that Jesus says, when I return back, I'm going to reward the who first and the what second. Look how Jesus speaks. He says, hey, well done. And then he pulls out two character traits, good and faithful. The word faithful means you're trusty. It's you're trustworthy. I have trusted something good into you and you have been good with it and you have been faithful with it. And he, he kind of says, you know what, what matters to me ultimately is, is who you are. And then so he, he pushes in on that. But then he does reward the what. His master replies, well done, good and faithful servant first. And then he says, you've been faithful now with a few things. Hey, you did a really good job, in other words. You, you did great with what I asked you to do. You were good character. Then we're going to the what second. And I think that order makes a lot of sense for us today in our world because we know that the who matters more than the what. But then it gets a little further than that because then Jesus adds in to these two individuals. He says, just so you know, you'll be invited to come and share in your master's happiness. Remember the context of the conversation. Jesus is saying, this is all about the second coming. This is all about how I'm going to be, what it's going to feel like, maybe even look like whenever I return. And I'm going to look upon my children and say, first, I'm going to recognize you and reward you for who you are, good and faithful. But I will reward what you did with what I asked you to do. So I will reward, I'll reward first the who, then I'm going to come to the what. But then this, in the parable, there's this third story. And this is where it even gets more intense. And it gets a little even like, "Oh, this is hard to hear. But this is what Jesus says in the parable. He continues on. It says, then the man who had received one bag of coin... Master, he said, all right, so he gets one bag. He doesn't get as, as much as the others. But Jesus asked him to be faithful nonetheless the same. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seeds. So he just makes some, some uh, excuses, really. Then he says, so I was afraid, speaking of fear, and I went out and hid your gold to the ground. See, here, is, here it is. Here's what belongs to you. Continue on. Then Jesus replies back. He says, his master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. Now just pause there. The first two, he says, you're good and you're faithful. And he attacks the character side. and He says, man, I'm so proud of who you are and what you've done. And then he says, now to the third servant who wasn't faithful, he says, you are wicked and lazy. You are not good. You have not been faithful. You are wicked and lazy And as a result of that wickedness and laziness, he says, so take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has the other bags, who has the 10 bags. And then it goes on to say, and this is where it even gets more heavy, more hard. It says, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Remember, I told you the who matters way more than the what. And Jesus rewards the who every day of the week over the what. And Jesus speaks to the character of the man and the character of the people. And he says, "In here in this one, the who matters so, so much. And I just want you to know. And when Jesus invites this in, I think there's something so critical here. He says there's weeping and gnashing. There's an outer darkness. Now, some biblical scholars and maybe some of you might say, well, that's hell. That's hell. And in some context of the New Testament, Jesus is talking about gnashing, weeping of teeth. Oftentimes, there's a picture, depiction of hell. And here there's debate whether or not, is he talking about hell or is he talking about just some kind of like you're not getting rewarded? Here's what I want you to know, whatever side of the fence you kind of are on on that whole thing. Here's what I want you to see. Two of them got rewarded because they were good and faithful, and one of them didn't. And the one who didn't got consequences. And I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to be called wicked and lazy by Jesus. I'd rather be called good and faithful. Amen. So let's just say, well, I don't know, but whatever happens to the third guy is not as good as the first two. So let's just stay there for a minute, okay, with whatever you believe in weeping and ashing of teeth. By the way, weeping and ashing of teeth, whatever Jesus meant in this parable by that, I don't want to experience that. So let's just, you know, be okay with, you know, the rewards. I'd rather be in the rewards. So... So Jesus says, I've got to pay attention to the who because the who ultimately leads to the what. And here's what I want you to know today. You've got to know this for you and your life, that Jesus ultimately is more interested in who we are becoming than what we're accomplishing. And I think that's important for us to understand today because before we go into parenting and talking about how this relates to our children, I just want you to understand this, that Jesus cares way more about who you are becoming than what you're accomplishing And Jesus would further support this, by the way, that he cares way more about who we're coming than what we're accomplishing. There's another writing of Matthew, and Matthew records this in the Sermon on the Mount, right towards the end of this big sermon that Jesus preaches in Matthew chapter seven. It says this, Jesus is quoted saying this, again, speaking of the end times, speaking of his second coming, here's what he says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So not everyone who confesses me with their mouth Will enter the kingdom of heaven. And they said, Lord, it came out of their mouth, but they're not getting in. So he's talking about end times. He says, but only the one who does the will of my Father. So there's certainly the what, like he cares about the what, that matters. A Father in heaven, many will say to me on the day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? So we did a lot of what, I want you to hear this. We did the what, we prophesied in your name and we drew about demons in your name. And if you don't think that's really cool, we did something more. We performed many miracles in your name. By the way, that's a lot of what? That's like, you know, in our education, I made A's, I went to Yale, and I got a great paying job, you know? Like, I did a lot of good things. There's a lot of what that I did. But Jesus responds back to the what, and he says, then I'll tell them plainly. There's no mistake in what I'm going to say. I'm not even going to use a parable for this one. I'm going to say it so clearly. I never knew you. I never knew you, which is an interesting statement because Jesus knows everyone because he formed us before we're ever even born. So, what is he saying? He's saying, I never had a relationship with you. There's no relationship here. I mean, you know of me and I know of you, but you have no relationship with me. In other words,